Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin. Welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. I mean, I just told you my name, so nothing there. But if you've been your first time listener, this podcast is all about helping you connect with incredible people, entrepreneurs, executives who can help you do a better job of building your ideas and sustaining them. And so we bring you people we meet that, that are just impacting us and try to help you glean a little bit from their story and their experiences. And on today's podcast, I have two fellow Belmont alums, that's Channing Moreland and Mackenzie Stokel, uh, new buddies of mine that we've met through an entrepreneurship group for all the, the alums that are actually practicing entrepreneurship. And they were kind of to give me some of their time. So we actually hear more about their story, create their company even more which I could explain to you, but they do a great job of it. Um, and I want you to kind of hear it firsthand the way I did. But more importantly, um, these two amazing women started their business kind of by accident, but then just because of a powerful idea that solved someone's problem, others saw it and did their job to rally around them to support them. And so I do believe, we talk about this a lot on Launch University, it's more important to find the problem to solve first. You know, ideas are great and we believe in the power of ideas, but they have a different merit when they're designed to help someone else. And so this gets put through this podcast episode multiple times. So you don't want to miss that big idea. But more importantly, their spirit, they have a lot of experience and I think you're going to really enjoy it as well. So here's my interview with Channing Moreland and Mackenzie Stokel. And so let's start with the most obvious question and that is what is even more even more is an online platform that connects artists and private event planners basically um so we are a marketplace we work with a lot of up-and-coming artists who are looking to get bookings um and then connect them with private event planners a lot of corporate events uh sometimes weddings sometimes events on college campuses um but we really just found that both parties really kind of needed each other and didn't know how to find one another. That's ironic for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Cause you think that that's been happening for a long time. Right. Where event planners find talent. Um, and so we'll unpack more of the story behind that in a minute. Uh, but I do want to make sure. So that was Mackenzie speaking, everybody, mm-hmm. yes. the voices. Um, <laughs> but before I shoot a story about the business, I will love to hear stories about yourselves. I feel like, you know, you two are still, individuals who have a unique story that you brought to the business so Channing we'll start with you like what's what's the Channing Moreland story Channing Moreland story I mean I was definitely I grew up uh you know 30 miles out of Boston Massachusetts and I was totally that music freak in growing up um in every kind of music band course available to me and so I just thought because it was you know I was in that small town and that's what I did so I thought I was gonna go perform somewhere um and so I was looking for something like that and then found Belmont but actually as a songwriting major Mm -hmm. and I I liked more behind the scenes work but I didn't even understand how behind the scenes I really wanted to be and so I remember freshman year I came down here and I was playing a show of just songs that we had written and I was like no 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 like I don't even want to be I want to be helping these people I want to lift up the people that are meant to be doing this but I just happened to be a decent one in my small town and I would rather be 
even more behind the scenes. So it was really fun to start working with Mackenzie on crafting these events and productions to bring our favorite artists that really Mackenzie was taste making and then us able to create these events and some technology together to help those artists. That's cool. Mackenzie, what's how did you how did you come to this point? Yeah, I am from northern Indiana and kind of knew Belmont was really where I wanted to be when I visited and knew I wanted to be involved in the music industry in some way. Did never never thought of performance, like never wanted to be a musician, but um, knew I always wanted to support those musicians. Um, so as soon as I came to Belmont, I was like, this is Nashville's the place for me. I know I just feel the connection to the city and to a lot of people I'm meeting here. Um, and then really just, I mean, from our freshman year, even we met, we were roommates at orientation. So we literally met right away. Randomly assigned. Yeah. yeah totally we just random. walked into the same building at the same time with my dad and your mom. Yeah. And we like took the, the elevator up and realized we were in the same room. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so cool. It was yeah. nuts. And we just obviously hit it off right away and we're friends and then lived on the same floor our freshman year. And so we got along really well and um, had a lot in common as far as liking live events and the live aspect of the music industry. I think that was always our you know, that was our thing. That was like our favorite part about being in Nashville, coming from smaller towns, not having access to live music all the time. Hmm. Um, so that's really where we bonded. And then, um, you know, I always knew for me that supporting musicians and finding talent wherever I could was like my passion really was was finding that talent and doing whatever I could to get them heard. That's cool. Um I have a lot of questions about that because I'm like, that's cool. You knew that so early because the part of me is like, what, you know, what about you as an individual? Did you already recognize at that point in your life to know that about yourself? Like, did you already experiment with that or did you kind of just feel it? Was there like, you know, I'm curious how someone comes and know that about themselves so early. That's a great question. I've honestly never really thought about it, but I think it was ninth grade. I took a class uh, called music production and it was just kind of using GarageBand, some software to really kind of very basic level, you know, mixing music and kind of seeing what that process is other than just I play guitar or I sing kind of more, um, a little more in depth on how music is created. And that was like, that really opened my eyes to see that how many other areas there are in music other than just being a performer. Yeah. There's so many sides to it. And then I kind of started doing more research on, on my own of like what other jobs there are other than I'm like, okay, there's producers, there's people who do booking, there's people who manage artists. And I just started finding that there were all these areas that, I could go into and I was like I don't know which one it is for me yet but I know that I will find it if I go to the right place Nashville I think was that place and I don't know it just always kind of felt it just I, I just kind of always knew in a way yeah that's really cool I mean so for for either of you was entrepreneurship an assumption as an individual before you got here just at, like, in, at some point in your life you say I'm going to be an entrepreneur and somewhere in the industry like no I'm going to find a job in the industry like, what was your individual mindsets? I think what 
it's it's so funny to look back now because you really do see how these past events actually led to where we are now and why we are so drawn to entrepreneurship. But no, I had no idea that this was what I or Mackenzie and I would be doing. But what was crazy to see is now I look back and I see, you know, okay, my favorite thing to do was to create songs and to create music productions with a team. Hmm. So it was why a songwriting major in Nashville where co-writing is the most used format was so easy for me to fall into. It was because it was that co-write, it was that team, it was that organization coming together and crafting something. Mm -hmm. Now when I look at it, my favorite part of the business, and I always say, I'm like, Mackenzie is the core of our business because she has that musical A&R sense. She has that, that's what her, you know, expertise is in and her drive. Me, I love like kind of that casing of how do we as an organization lead this correctly? How do we look ahead to the next picture? How are we thinking, you know, methodically and how are we thinking, you know, in a visionary mindset? And so that's just what drives me and gets me going. Um, But then also to look back to and I see my dad and while he was working in a major uh, corporate environment, I always thought he was an entrepreneur mm. as an executive. That's right. Which is really cool as a scientist, seeing him have to go into the lab every day, seeing him have to come up with, attempt to come up with a cure. I see maybe a lot of similarities there. Yeah, that's cool. What about you, Mackenzie? Did you see yourself, as, did you see entrepreneurship as something you aspire to do at some point? Or just like, no, I just want to find a great job doing what I love in this industry I care about. Yeah, I never considered entrepreneurship or thought even I was entrepreneurial in any way. But now that I am, I look back and see a lot of things that it makes sense. A lot of things even growing up that I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like I I was like great at, you know, I was always like the top seller for the Girl Scouts. And, you know, there's like lots of little things that kind of make sense now that for why I am an entrepreneur, but I never thought it would be my journey or tried to do this. I think if anything, we just, we were passionate about music and then we saw a problem that we believed we could solve. And that kind of gave us the confidence, I think, to do it. That's cool. And I laugh about it because also, you know, we were kind of figuring out the music industry together. And I remember we're just like, we don't want to work there. No, we do not want to work there. And we kind of were just falling in the front and we're like, we should just do this. Like, you know, create our own job. And we never asked anyone if that was okay. And working on Music Row then became a not not the ideal for us. Let's talk about the origin story a bit about even more in that regard. You just kind of alluded to like, we saw a problem we wanted to fix. And so I love to just kind of say like, how did you, how did you first encounter the problem? And then at some point, when did it dawn on the two of you that you could be the solution to that problem? Well, the very first problem we saw is not really what our business is today. It's sure. it's changed a lot, but walk, walk us through it. Yeah, so I mean, Channing had the initial idea or kind of the desire to start something and just say, you know, like we really can do this. She had she gave me a lot of confidence, honestly, too, in that we really should give this a shot, regardless of our knowledge of the industry or lack of experience. Um, But the first problem we really set out to solve was finding events in your town that you would like or concerts. Hmm. So very similar to a do 615, 
um, just a website that shows you events that are going on. Sure. It was similar to that, but we kind of took it one step further and created an algorithm that would recommend events to you based on your music preferences. Hmm. So we always kind of had like a tech piece to our business and whatever it was we were doing. And that's where we thought we could really make the difference. Um, but to promote this website, we were putting on events and selling tickets and getting sponsors and booking bands and producing the entire thing. And that's where we were making the money and having the most success was at the events, not necessarily the website. So you said, hey, we need to, we need to create a website that promotes cool local events you might want to go to but there are none so let's just create our own events <laughs> it really became so, it became like the cyclical effect yeah. where we then just started promoting those that's yeah. so funny like yeah you know what we look, <laughs> actually all the events are lame so we're gonna do yeah. we're gonna create yeah. our own events and make them really cool yeah. i feel like some would call that a pyramid scheme but we just sort of felt like it was effective <laughs> that's awesome yeah and so next thing we knew the people started coming to us too and saying, Hey, I see you putting on kind of these cooler events, you know, for the college communities and just for, you know, the Nashville community. Well, we've always wanted to do this kind of festival or this kind of event. Could you almost consult us? But really we just wanted to jump in because we, we loved it. And next thing we knew, we also, uh, we, pitched at the Belmont business plan competition and had no reason to do that. We did not even understand like what our business actually was. We were just doing these things, but we loved it. And we won that. And those judges at that business plan competition were so integral to our future. It was Phil Schmerling. It was, um, Chris Sloan, Chris Sloan. Um, there was Sherry Deutschman and there was just these incredible people that we still talk to on the regular. I mean, Chris Sloan's our lawyer, Phil Schmerling's our banker, one of our awesome bankers. And I mean, he's amazing. And they came up to us afterwards and they were like, we don't know what the heck you're doing, but keep doing it and go to the entrepreneur center. And we were That's like, cool. Okay. And so that was kind of the next chapter. So at this point you leave the business, sorry, leave the business plan competition you have money and a little bit of money and some people who kind of believe in what you're doing mm -hmm. and yet you haven't become what you're by that point where you already at that point where you're still essentially trying to build a website to promote local events mm -hmm. yep okay so what so what so what how did that problem how did you shift from my from that problem to the next problem you're trying to solve so we took their advice and we went to the entrepreneur center and we started poking our heads around, seeing what was up. And that's when we heard also about Project Music, mm. which was the first ever music tech accelerator. And they were getting, I mean, so much funding and backing from the music industry to fuel this 14-week uh, program for eight companies. And I mean, we had, there was CAA, Red Light, um, well, CMA, CMA, like there was major companies behind this backing it, uh, for funding. And they kind of said, they were like, go for it, apply because they wanted to obviously have as many applications as possible. And so that was, it was going to be the second semester of our junior year. Hmm. And I mean, it was very, it was made clear to us that this was mainly for people out of college, for adults with, you know, with the startup ready to go. And we applied anyways. And we, I remember we actually, with our current quote unquote business model, and I remember we 
um, b- built our classes around hopefully getting in. That's and so we did 8 a.m.s <laughs> and 5.30 p.m.s because we knew every single day would be a nine to five with them. And we didn't say that we were in college. And then we got in. We were one of the eight chosen. And that yeah, was that was a game changer. Yeah, I'm so excited. For, you see me smiling here. This story. <laughs> yeah. I try to stay a little ignorant before I interview people on purpose, so that I can respond. Like everybody's probably like, everybody's like, "What?" Yeah. I know right now, but I think that's just man the hustle, this and this the the willingness to try something. Man, kudos. First of all, I have so many questions about that dynamic. Like, was that Channing saying, "Trust me on this"? Like, change your school schedule. You both like, no, no, no. We're like, like, what's the mindset? Who who is pushing the other one to say, okay? Yeah, totally. Like, we have to try to do this. I don't even remember. I think... No, I do. I I think... Yeah, Channing was like, we can do this more of like... She definitely gave me a lot of confidence that like, we can actually get in when I was like, let's go for it. But I mean, we're 20 years old. Every, like, hundreds of companies are applying from all over the world and we're still in school. Like, we know nothing. I was just being very practical and maybe a bit pessimistic about it but she was like let's just do it which is i think true in a lot of today even about our business there's a lot of that back and forth of like no we really gotta this is like comes first like we have to do this and she's definitely more big picture but we have to think about this too and i think it's a good dynamic that's beautiful it's amazing because it's why we're able to be successful as sure. business partners. Because if there was two of me, we wouldn't be in business. Mm-hmm. Same. If there was two of her, Same. we wouldn't be in business. Totally. Like, it's pretty crazy. And um, there's such voice of reason there. And I go to her to hear that voice of reason because mm-hmm. I'm the nut job. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so here you are, your second semester of junior year. Mm hmm. You get in. It literally goes pretty much goes the entire semester because fourteen weeks is pretty much a quarter. Yeah, so it's pretty, pretty so most much of, exactly. Most of, so pretty much school yep. year. You're there nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless your schoolwork at that point. I don't even. Yeah. I, I, don't, oh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to ask your question about how don't that went. I don't even want to know. Yeah, I don't even. I don't you even can care. Imagine. Yeah, I don't even want to ask that question. Like, GPA. Like, 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 yeah, that was a GPA killer that semester. <laughs> Big time. Um, out of curiosity, what what was that experience like? So I mean, I think many people, many people who follow this podcast or probably into that stuff into the future of business and you know, tech tech accelerators are obviously the you know one of the coolest things that's happened up in the like the last decade you know i think in business mm-hmm. in general so walk us through for behind the scenes a little bit, like how does that even go it changed it changed the game for us i mean it was the first year of project music so there was a lot of press a lot of um, hype around it people in nashville were excited it was just also knew that the music industry was kind of accepting technology and open to it. Like all of these big music companies were invested in this accelerator. So they were like, Hey, solve our problems. Like we're waiting, we're counting on you guys to help us. That's beautiful. Mm. And every door was open for us to run through. This is great. It It was was, crazy. It truly was life changing. And I, I just could see the change. I looked at who we were when we entered and who we were when we left. And I mean, it was even down to the fact of we had like body language experts and how to pitch, how to talk, how to convey ourselves. And that was not what we were going in. And so it's amazing to even see how much Mm -hmm. effort they went into constructing you as an entrepreneur, because it does take a lot of work and um, it was it was amazing to have that help as twenty year olds who, you know, we we were naive to the industry before walking in, and then we left being a part of it. 
Um, so without you sharing too much or whatever, I'm assuming, I'm assuming there's some kind of privacy, so I'm not going to ask too much, but I am curious, did you, did you leave there? Um, first of all, with investors permanently engaged in what you all are doing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yes. so you think you left some of the, that means you left with capital. Mm-hmm. Um, was a requirement to stay in school and finish? Like, I mean, like how did that work? Cause I would imagine like, okay, Hey, we're putting money up <laughs> yeah. and we find out you all are in college. We're like, what the heck, man? I just gave you a million. I mean, I'm speaking. <laughs> yep. I gave uh-huh. you a million dollars. I'm ready to go get to work, get out of school. And you're like, Oh shoot, here we go. It was pivotal. Like yeah. there was so many people in our lives that were like, finish school, just like stick it out. You have one more year, learn more about your business, take the time. And then the other half, just like, why would you stay in school when you have money to build what you love right now you have and a job. that opportunity? You have a job. Like, a job. do it. So we were just split. I mean, that was then, a true time when we had to remember who we were as business partners and we came back together at a table and we're like, what do we want? We have been showered with advice for four months straight. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do we want to do? And we were offered money to leave school. So, so, so someone said, okay, if you leave right now, I'll give you more money. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, like, like you're saying, like the million, like the VC yep. money, big money to just blow this thing up, mm-hmm. take it from zero to 10 mm-hmm. in very short amount of time. And, and I think I, I think we have wow. a, uh, an opinion that is not the typical opinion on this, but I know for a fact we would not be in business if we had done that because we, First off, our business, our initial business when we came out of Project Music was around colleges. So we were like, why would we quit college to go and try and be a part of the college market? But more so, I mean, we watched our competitors in this moment raising $5 million and blowing it all in the first year on, you know, their teams and tech and it's gone and then they're gone. And yeah. we were like, we need to learn the, like, the slow growth of this or because we are not... We have not done this before. So first of all, so that sounds like you turned the money down and stayed in school. Yes, yes. we did. We finished. For moms. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> the, mom, the moms were not going to be happy about it. And I was like, I was on board to quit. She, I yeah. hate school. I've never been great at school. I've never, it's just not, it's not my strength. Sure. And, and I've just always known that I'm like, I just, I want to learn and I'm all about learning and That's growing, right. but that's just not really a structure that did sure. well for me. Sure. Um, so you're like, I got my ticket out. I was literally like, <laughs> great. We're out of here. See you later. No yeah. more class. Yep. Who cares? But we didn't. We did ended up staying. And I think it was totally the right move because we, that whole year, senior year, we got to learn about our customer and actually validate the market and, re- mm-hmm. and figure out if this is a really viable business or is this just something that, we created in four months and is like can this last is this really going to work yeah and 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 so i'm assuming you found out through that one year that the college market was not it or it is well or was through that year we were really like customer vetting the whole market and so then when we graduated we wanted to go out and do it sure but that after that year is when we really realized that this is this is a great market to tap into and of course everyone wants access but man if we're trying to be a a a scalable business and survive you know and also like our ticket in was through greek life Mm -hmm. and i mean man like is greek life gonna be 
you know, what it is in 10 more years. Sure. And so we were really just looking at the hard picture of the market. And so we, we pivoted away from it after that first year out of school. But we always knew if we could go in more direct to like campus organizations and higher ups uh, through college, that could be a market eventually. How did that evolve the problem you solved? Like did did it same problem just different people with this problem like I'm just curious to know what you learned a little bit in that year of doing that and what and maybe did it did it, did it all did it change the problem you were solving at all? We stuck with that college market for about a year even after we graduated uh-huh. and it was good business. I mean, we were able to stay in business. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't, there were people that needed that problem solved, but we just found an even greater opportunity, I think. That's great. Fortunately, because those college customers were the worst. I mean, yeah, we would so many times we would have an event booked and they would call us and say, oh, actually my fraternity just got suspended. So we have to cancel this event. Like, wow. <laughs> we're like, oh, great. Cool. Like there's. That, so there bad. goes our business <laughs> like okay cool we have to rely on you guys not getting in trouble for partying like yeah. no that's when we knew we had to make a change yeah <laughs> no that makes sense so so what was who was the new market that needed the help man i mean corporate events we started to just see that and that was a big unknown we were like okay companies corporate event planners these things called destination management companies we started seeing all of these groups really having this consistent need and then we started to hear which is crazy to me that this is still the case today but major meeting planners like the meeting planner for Mm coca-cola or the corporate event team of bmw you know they say and go on record saying one of the hardest things for them to do in their millions of dollar budget conferences is to book entertainment 50k and below. Mm. Because as soon I as you I love this so much. It's so cool. <laughs> as soon as you're booking something a million dollars, oh man, you've got everyone and their mom wanting to help you. But when you have that 50k and below budget, it's just like how do I navigate that? Well, because there's no overhead cost that makes sense for a team to help those people sure but if you connect that technology and you make that process easier now we're talking yeah and no one's had that access before so that's what we started to see and then we had to spend a year honestly just even understanding the size of this market and how many different types of customers there are wow so one thing i wanted i mean this is so great so i apologize (laughs) hey guys everybody's listening to this podcast this is going to be a 45 minute podcast. So, <laughs> so if, you're, if you like the half hour one, now it's time to pause, take a break because I'm, I'm, I am completely engrossed in this conversation. One, so go to the Excel for one second. Channing, you imply the fact that it changed the two of you. And to me, that's really cool because I feel like at the end of the day, I, I, what we believe on this podcast in general is that our ambition typically leads to impact. Even the crazy people, like I mean, it's just the thing about the craziest person you've ever met who has ambition, and you're like, "That's I don't want to be like them," but they create a product that changes people's lives. Even the psycho who just wants to build themselves up, there's a ripple effect that can possibly help someone else. Mm. And I believe that what happens when it comes to ambition is you walk into new situations, which you two are alluding to over and over again, and you're the one who evolves. So even more, never made it to 2019. What you two went through between 2015 and 2018, you still would say, I'm a different human being. Totally. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think that's something that we, whoever was listening, that's really the number one gift you're guaranteed to receive is exactly. a different version of you. 
a better version, I think. I hope so, yeah. right? And so I'm curious to hear you alluded to with like a body language expert. Like, what other things did you two learn that you can say that most impacted you individually? So, Mackenzie, let's start with you. Something you say when I walked out of the accelerator, this this one or two things like this hit me personally. I love this question. Yeah, this is great. So we were, I mean, I think the first thing that made it forced us to grow up really fast. We were the youngest by 10, you know, the next, the next youngest founder was 30 when we were 20. So there was like a 10 year gap. We were the only females in it too. So it was, we were just like totally out of place. Like people were just like, who are you guys? The interns? Like what? Give me some coffee. We're like, no, we're actually in it. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was just, it, it didn't seem like it was right. But so we were forced to be at the same level as these people who were way older than us and men and have way more experience so it just just being a like we knew we're like we need to be taken seriously so we're gonna shape up like we have to be mature we have to present ourselves in a way that people value us as equals mm-hmm. um and i would say for me personally what i would say the actual pitch part of it working with that body language expert changed me so much i i came out of there with a whole new confidence i mean from like from day one to last day me just pitching talking in front of a group of people so different Mm. i mean so much better uh i think channing was always a little more natural at that and it just kind of came to her a little easier but for me i just had these nerves like i i was so nervous to talk in front of people um and to to present something and then to kind of get become confident about it learn how to really own that and then to actually be good at it was really probably what changed the most about me it's awesome Channing what about you well I just want to throw in there really quick because what's been so amazing with Mackenzie is you know there was that zero to 100 from the start and end of Project Music. And I have to say what's been so cool is in the past couple of months, I've seen a part two or like a 100 to 500 with her. Mm. Um, and we can go into that if we have time or not. But it's been amazing to see because I think one of my questions to myself was I was like, you were forced. And so like Mackenzie was saying, we were forced to level up. Mm. I want to keep finding ways to force myself to level up in life. Mm. But what's so cool is I think in this past chapter, we forced ourselves, which was mind blowing to me or Mackenzie forced herself or our business forced her to become the next version of her. So that was just, that's really cool to watch. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay. Sorry. F- tangent. Um, uh, for me, I've never said this out loud, so this might come out really weird. Go ahead. But I felt like I learned something about myself. Like I am almost came out of there embodying my like masculine energy, mm. if that makes sense. Like I found myself because, and at first it was really hard because I was like, I need to be taken seriously. I am not going to be called pretty girl. I'm not going to mm. be called little thing or like this or that. Were you called those things? Um, yeah. Mm. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, in a lot of places, it's just, it happens, sure. you know, but I think I went above and beyond and I found myself like 
wearing these like fat watches button downs and I was just like yes sir and like my uh-huh. handshake was fierce and like I remember almost like going so above and beyond but it showed me that like okay now you can back it up a bit you know and, yeah but I, I love it, that. it gave me this confidence in myself that I just had never had before I similar confidence I think if you read a Twitter bio she once broke a man's hand shaking his hand no I'm kidding <laughs> I once broke uh, one's I hand so. <laughs> I once fractured someone's hand <laughs> And honestly, I think I, not the masculine part, Ken's, but I think I learned some of just that, like, don't mess with me from Mackenzie, which was really helpful. I'm such a natural people pleaser, Mm. empath, Mm -hmm. you know, Enneagram, I'm a three, two. So I have that helper side. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Preaching. So I need to like, I need to kind of create a barrier, a boundary for myself. And I learned that through her for sure during project music big that's time. cool that's cool well first of all thank you both for sharing so openly because i i was sincere i'm like man what a unique experience i think many people don't know what goes on behind the scenes at a tech accelerator we just see the stories in the pr and the headlines about what happens right if, if mm. you google even more you're going to see a bunch of stories about the organization and the business which i think is fantastic but it's very clear from how you describe me and from some of the other team members on our team who've been to tech accelerators, they're investing in the people oh, because yeah. they have to, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're validating ideas, you're shifting, things are changing. Totally. And we have to invest in the individuals, not the just the business. And I think it's a very powerful idea. Um, so I, I think the other thing I would just love to hear, so just kind of attempt to wind this down for the next 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, what are some of the key lessons you've learned as entrepreneurs in the and I was you can talk you take any time period say hey when I'm if I was gonna wrap this and say these are the key lessons I walked away with as an entrepreneur as a as a as an entrepreneur as a millennial as a woman as a leader um, I think you two are in the middle of a transition mm-hmm. because of the hiring you're doing um, and the staffing part and really people just who represent you from all over the country in a variety of ways um, you are becoming executives not just entrepreneurs right it's not just how good is our product how well can we sell it it's I have to lead other people to do this work um, for scalability's sake and a lot of mm-hmm. other things. So I'm just curious to hear, and even as partners, I know I'm giving a lot of context here, so you can kind of pick out of those buckets mm-hmm. of the things that personally stand up to you and say, okay, yeah, these are the three or four lessons that are just glaring in my head that yeah. that I that just have stuck with me either through pain or just through a big aha for you individually. So uh, we, can, we can go back and forth on that. Just love to hear. So whoever wants to go first on that one. The first thing that comes to mind when I think kind of what's that entrepreneurial lesson is that nobody has the answers and usually not even you like they're you can't listen to anybody like no one's going to tell you what that right move is what Mm -hmm. those decisions are for example we could have stayed with the college market no one ever said that was a bad idea don't don't like don't have college customers be your market. If anything, we always got, we validated it in a lot of ways and we got a lot of good feedback and people were like, that's a great idea. That's a super underserved market. No one ever said, maybe you should look at corporate. We had to find that out on our own and then make the decision that, wow. okay, this is worth it for us to, to pivot to a new market. That's great. So we, you know, we could still be in business serving college students but we would look a lot different Mm -hmm. um probably be a lot more stressed (laughs) and you know you just have to you have to make decisions too like you can find things out you can go back and forth a lot of times but at the end of the day like you have to 
have things that you're set in stone on and it's like okay it's that decision is made it's in the past we're moving forward otherwise you just kind of stay still and eventually kind of just plateau and don't move forward i love that channing what about you i learned this uh, only a couple of months ago from a colleague and really mentor his name's chris becker and he's just a really great sales biz dev mind um has a great mindset on that but what he is really big on and i started learning about this through him is like you need to really understand your team and your customer but more importantly your team's intrinsic motivators and what mm. really drives them at the end of the day because i found you know with our our main sales uh hire that we did you know we were so lucky that she knew herself so well to say my intrinsic motivator is my kids and I need to be there for them at the end of the day. And a boss that doesn't understand that I have to go pick them up sometimes or do this or that, I can't respect. Sure. And to know what Mackenzie's intrinsic motivators are, what are mine, what is that person we're potentially hiring, that's what I'm constantly thinking about to make sure we can all be on the same page even though they're gonna be different things. Mm, that's good, a random, so random aside, mm -hmm. um, there's an assessment called a values assessment and oh. so Tony uh, Tony Robbins, it, you can actually buy from a lot of people, but Tony Robbins gives it for free, and it actually lays out what you what motivates you across Love seven it. seven different categories. So like altruism, um, aesthetics. So I just I use like hmm. person navigated by beauty and, and harmony, um, uh, influence. Like just your ego. Like do you want to be? Do you want to appear successful? Yeah. Do you actually want money? Because sometimes they look the same, but they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and so one person would want a better title and, and take less pay versus one like, I didn't mm -hmm. have money. Um, another one was, uh, they call theoretical. Like, do you actually just have a quest for truth and knowledge? Mm -hmm. and, and it measures you. You have, we all have a little bit of, of one of them, right? But just to what degree is That's a really dominant cool. one. Yeah. And I introduced that one. And it, it's been a game changer for me. Um, I actually use it in the hiring process for contractors or, or employees. Cause, because yeah. I, I'm just trying to really, I'm trying to short circuit that learning process. But to your point... Um, it's always surprising the, and, and it's not a season of life right I mean but I exactly. think there is a, it's fascinating to see someone actually tell you what what really gets them going and um, for me a lot of them the millennials on my team which I am one uh, it, it, a lot of it had to do with influence over their work like me calling the shots on my task list my schedule ha was way higher than money way higher than altruism hmm. way higher and I was like okay so I have to put you in a place where you get to have some control over how your day goes mm -hmm. and that actually was motivating for a lot of people um and for some not so much but i think it's a fascinating it, and it goes off of your own observations but it's a very interesting tool to see people score that out so just what's it called a value values assessment cool yeah that's awesome so if I you, yeah, do yeah. If you, so tony robbins if you go to the, the disc assessment we'll put this in the show notes by the way for everybody else Sweet. but if you take his disc assessment the very next one after it's a, a values assessment and it gives you the score on both so i actually have people take it and then give me um give send me a pita for their set of their results it's always very and i, I don't hire against it it's just fascinating like, yeah. you know it's like, okay so more about you and what you really what you really care yeah. about a lot of musicians and creatives they score higher on 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 um, aesthetics mm -hmm. like the beauty the flow the harmony of their day of their life of the work they create things around them have a higher value intrinsically than money even sometimes mm -hmm. so it's always cool to see that but that's fascinating that's cool did you Very hear cool. that okay Mackenzie, another lesson for you just another one that just jumps out you say you know what if there's one final one i'd have to kind of share this is a big lesson for me over the last few years be super open to all opportunities almost 
which sometimes I kind of go back and forth and think, is it a bad thing to be open to every opportunity to almost see, to not be, um, to not accept the situation you're in, kind of always be looking for something better. But I think that's how we've been in our business. And I, I think that I am that way in my personal life too. And at least for right now, it's kind of where I want to be, like always looking for the next best thing, like the next best opportunity and not, even if what we have is great, we have a good business, but we're certainly not done growing. Um, always be open to, to new things and trying to make them fit for what's right for your business. That's great. Channing? Yeah. I, I think, I mean, business and personal is oddly so connected at times, <laughs> but I find that when in doubt communicating about something trying to communicate to that how that person you know needs it is something i'm still working on trying to understand how i can be most effective in that approach but just talking about anything that might have some tension or questioning on is always going to be a win in any personal relationship in any business relationship it's going to come out better in the end if you than not Okay, that's pretty. Yeah. First of all, that makes a lot of sense. I think that uh, anyone who hasn't dealt with that yet, you will eventually be faced with the idea that you will see how communication serves you well. Uh, one of these I walked away with from today's conversation. Uh, first of all, I think it's just the evolution of the problem. I think that I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or you're an executive. If you're not being mindful that the problem evolves. And the problem you're solving evolves. The people who you're serving, they're evolving. Their challenges are evolving. Um, that I think that has a lot to do with why I think a lot of organizations and those who are leading them um, are lost. They don't recognize that the problem changed. They're still so focused inwardly optimizing what they have, which when you, and I get it right. Hey, let's make them more profitable. Let's make the system better. And you are so focused on that. You don't recognize the problem changed. And I think one of the things that Channing and McKenzie both said multiple times, just in the natural flow of the conversation was, Getting to know our customers, target market, vetting, talking to the t- customers, getting to know them better. There's a lot of just getting to know people better. And I think that um, I'm reading Like a Virgin uh, by Richard Branson right now. It's just a collection of articles he wrote. And one of the things he talked about was just the ability to listen to your team and your customers. And, and he said that too, that's the thing that has gotten me here. Uh, but, <laughs> I, I, but I think it's a powerful uh, idea for, for everybody. So for those who are listening, how can they connect with you all? Um, as individuals or the organization, if they need help for their corporate events, which is a high likelihood for those who are listening to this podcast, um, how can they connect with you all? Evamore.co, E-V-A-M-O-R-E.co is our website. And that's where a lot of people can go and create events and artists will actually come to you. Um, and if you have specific questions, I mean, feel free to email me at Channing, uh, like Channing Tatum, Channing at evamore.co. Mackenzie at evamore.co. Yeah, mm-hmm. always open to chat. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we won't put those directly in the show notes. We'll, we'll spell them out so they don't get all the spam bots nice. picking their email up. You <laughs> nice. know, that, that's, that's how that goes. And so if you want to connect with these two wonderful people, hear more of their story, ask them a few questions. You can do that where they just told you to do it. We want to thank you for listening to this podcast. So, by the way, they they dropped a lot of a lot of facts, a lot of ideas, a lot of things here. So, if you go to the show notes, we've taken all the hard work out of out of this for you. So, if you're in your carpool line, if you're working out right now, if you're doing yard work, if you go to our website, that's launchuniversity, youniversity.com forward slash podcast. We have a full summary 
of this episode. So all the things we mentioned, links to them, their key takeaways, content info, etc., is there for you. So we've done that for you. So don't don't try to write this down while you're driving. The other thing is we, we believe that people like Channing, like McKenzie, at some point they have to grow on the go, right? They're trying to build a plane while it's in the air. You're trying to figure things out. As McKenzie said, you don't have all the answers. You're looking for them actively. You subscribe to podcasts like these so you can automate your learning process. You just turn your phone on, a podcast just magically appears, and you get to enjoy it week after week. So subscribe to this podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, wherever you like to get your podcasts. We're usually there. And last thing, share this with a friend. Do not hoard this information. Share this with your team. If you're trying to figure out a way to be a leader, to encourage your team to consider other problems and how it's evolving, you can let McKinsey teach them and it'll come off as way less preachy. She'll just give them all her <laughs> insights and they'll say, yes, that's what I was talking about last week in the meeting. And so that's why we've designed this podcast to help you and your teams as you move forward. And so thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you check us out next time on another episode of the Launch University podcast.